uh, able to get outside and work a little bit and uh, create some more sore, sore spots on your body. I got the other day out there in my driveway, sealing the tracks in my driveway, and I was sitting on a bucket and leaning over, and boy, I tell you what, after I got through with that the next day, I couldn't hardly get out of bed. <laughs> I didn't know I had so many places that would hurt. But anyway, it's good to be here tonight, and we're certainly delighted to have each one of you. We've got a lot of visitors tonight. I'm glad you guys showed up because our congregation, we, I think half of them are sick with the COVID or, or some other kind of sickness, so we're glad that you came tonight to be with us. We just hate that uh, so many of our members are not able to be with us because of sickness, but it uh, seems like it, it hit everybody about the same time. Hopefully everybody get over it about the same time. Beulah had been sick with it, but she's back with us tonight, so uh, we're glad to have her with us tonight. Anyway, um, we're in for another treat tonight. Brother Lloyd Harris is with us. Uh, as I've said before, uh, this is, I think, the third time that we've had Brother Harris to uh, hold a gospel meeting for us. He's always done a wonderful job, and uh, we're just glad that, that he could be with us. We hate it that uh, his wife, Aura, was not able to be with us because she had uh, knee replacement surgery not long ago, and my wife's had two of those, and I know what uh, Lloyd's having to do as well. He's probably uh, <laughs> having to take care of her a lot. That's uh, a surgery. It takes quite a while to get over. But uh, we're so glad to have so many of you from McAlmont with us tonight. And uh, it's really an honor to have you with us tonight. We're glad you could come and be with us. And <clears throat> somebody asked me if, if Brother Harris was doing a good job for us. And I said, he's doing fairly well. <laughs> I didn't know how to take that, but <laughs> well, you did a great job. But anyway, for those of you that <clears throat> don't know that much about Brother Harris, I'll go over this. I've already gone over it before you know, yesterday a couple of times. But anyway, Brother Harris was born and raised in Spring Hill, Louisiana. <clears throat> uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I've been to Louisiana a few times. But uh, anyway, we're glad that he was raised in Louisiana. He got a great family. He's married to his wife, or I was talking to him tonight about that. He said they've been married 54 years. And uh, <clears throat> I said, Well, I got you beat on that, and I've been married 59. Be long, but next May will be 60. So we're shooting for 60. So. Anyway, he said, well, I'm shooting for 60 as well. But anyway, they have three children and eight grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. Good family. Got his quiver full. Blessed is the man whose quiver's full, right? He's been preaching for 64 years. And I can't imagine he started preaching at the age of 10. I think I started preaching when I was 26. So you got me 16 years on that one. He is a minister of the McCalmont Church of Christ. He's been there for about 25 years. He's, he told me 24 years and 11 months, so I count that 25. Uh, and he also serves as an elder at McCalmont, and uh, he's got his basket full. He was telling me yesterday everything that he is involved in. I don't know how you do it when you're, when you're as old as I am almost. 
I've got him about five. But anyway, he also served other churches in Nacogdoches, Texas. I got familiar with Nacogdoches going down to MD Anderson, Houston, for all my treatments and go back for my checkups and that. So I know exactly where Nacogdoches is, and I'm trying to figure it out how to get through that town without getting lost. But anyway, Greenville, Mississippi, he preached there in Mount Pleasant, Texas, and also Moss Point, Mississippi. That speaks highly of him in preaching, my goodness, how many years? 64 years in only one, two, three, four, five, five places. That's great. That's great. I, 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 say, I try to tell the younger preachers, if you want to do a good work, go there and stay. And uh, so many uh, young preachers, you know, they get discouraged, which is, I guess all of us at times get discouraged and think there's green or pastures on the other side of the fence. And, and a lot of times preachers move when they're just about ready to get things really going. But uh, Brother Harris has been there for 25 years. And I knew Brother Lawrence. He had Brother Lawrence for gospel meetings for several different ones. And so, anyway, uh, must have a great congregation there to keep you there that long. That's all I got to say about that. I guess that's all I need to say. So let's, let's bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll begin our meeting. Father, we're so thankful for the blessings that we have, the blessing that we have today, Father, that you've given us another day of life, Filled us with so many blessings. Thank you for our family, our physical family. Thank you for our spiritual family, for our brothers and sisters who are so precious to us and mean so much to us. And help us, Father, along the way that we might one day all reach heaven. We thank you, Father, for Brother Harris and for his dedication to you and for his many years of service, and we're thankful that he has been willing, Father, to come and share the word with us, and we're so thankful for the word, thankful for men like Brother Harris that are true to it and hold fast to the sound doctrine that you have given us in your word and only preach the word for the authority that you have given us to preach. And Father, we thank you for those that are with us tonight, those that are visiting with us. We pray your blessings upon them, and thank you for bringing them to us tonight. We pray that you bless them as they go home and bless their lives and their families. We thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ, who loved us and died for us, was resurrected for our justification, and has promised to come back for us when this life is over and when this day comes for him to return so we look forward to the time we can be with you in heaven one day father that is our our, our aim that is our, our desire that is our passion father and we just pray that you'll help us every day to live our lives in such a way that we bring glory and honor to your name it's in the name of christ we pray amen oh brother <coughs> Mac, Matthew Brooks is going to lead us in singing. He's doing a good job for us, and we appreciate him. Live wire, okay.
Brother Larry, if you want to just leave the shovel with me next time so that way you don't dig too deep of a hole, that'd be, that's probably all right. First song this evening, Jesus is all the world to me, number 276, if you're using a book. We'll sing all three verses. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my home. He is my strength from day to day. Without him I would fall. When I am sad to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, my friend in trial sore. I go to him for blessings, and he gives them o'er and o'er. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain, sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend, beautiful life that has no end, eternal life, eternal joy, he's my friend. Before our lesson this evening, we'll sing Jesus, Let Us Come to Know You. If you were not here yesterday, we'll be singing this song every night this week because it will be serving as our theme song for this week. Sing the first and second verse. Jesus, let us come to know you. Let us see you face to face. Touch us, hold us, use us, mold us. Only let us live in you. Jesus, draw us ever nearer. Hold us in your loving arms. Wrap us in your gentle presence when the end comes bring us home Normally I would get right into it, but I'll see some people out there. I just uh, want to just pause and look them in the face and tell them how much I appreciate seeing them sitting out there. They kind of slipped up on me, and uh, 
that they're always doing stuff like that. And appreciate you being here. Oh, that's just some of Mac Albert. That just just to, just to give you a sampling of Mac Albert, and we appreciate them. Thank you for having me, and for the opportunity of speaking during this meeting. We've been on a journey, and this meeting has a message that we hope by the end of it will become clear to us and a message that we can share with others in a way that will bring them closer to the Lord. We started introducing the concept of Christ in the scriptures in our Bible study on Sunday morning to create the concept that all of scripture is pointing to Jesus. And now once we get into the coming of Christ, all of the scriptures are pointing to the return of Jesus. So the whole Bible is really tied with a message that resonates in the person, mission, and work of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for humanity and what will be accomplished for humanity. And then as we got into that, we saw why the eunuch came to his awesome conclusion without any hedging from anybody. He was reading from the prophecy of Isaiah and Philip asked him if he understood what he was reading. He asked the question of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or some other man. The scripture doesn't give us the sermon outline of Philip but it tells us he began at that scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That message transformed the eunuch in a very powerful way. Without Philip even pressing him to respond to the gospel message, as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. The powerful message that resonates here is that somehow, for some reason, there is something in the eunuch's mind that is really come to fruition when they are passing the water, and he says, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? There must have been something in Philip's message that went beyond Isaiah's prophecy of him to the response that would be necessary for Jesus to be to us who God intended for him to be. And as a result, he raises the question, here is water, what must I be to be baptized? And the answer became, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Without hesitation, his answer was, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That becomes the theme of our time together during this week. Another occasion took place in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John the Baptist is now on scene. And he is the one that introduces Jesus Christ uh, to the world of his day. Beginning at the very 19th verse, I want to walk you into this in order to establish a platform and then develop thought uh, for this evening. The Bible tells us, verse 19, this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Notice the focus of the Jews and the Levites in reference to John. They see his teaching, they see his power, they see his message, and they by that know that, they already know that someone is coming, and we've been looking for him. 
That question now is, are you that someone? And of course, John the Baptist is probably the only preacher that has ever preached the gospel that people mistook for Jesus Christ. They certainly don't take any of us today for Jesus Christ. They knew that somebody was coming. And when they ask him that question, John then responds to them. And the Jews ask him that, who are you? And he confessed and denied that he is the Christ. But confess, I am not the Christ. Notice a denial and a confession in one statement. The denial was the mis-expectation and misunderstanding of the prophecy by pointing the finger at John. The confession was that the real person is somebody else. And he won't finish until he is identified that somebody else. We ask him, are you Elias? Are you that prophet? And he goes, keep going on, and John keeps denying. Why are you denying, John? Because they're asking me the wrong question. They're pointing their fingers at me. If they'd asked me who is he, which is the question is really headed to, uh, then I can give them that answer. John does tell them, but here is who I am. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And then he said, and they asked him, and he said unto them, uh, he, they said unto him, why are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, if you're not Elias, if you're not that prophet. John said, I baptize with water, but watch what he's going to do again. There comes one after me who baptizes with the Holy Ghost, whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unlash. John said, the person you're looking at, I'm not even worthy to be called anything like him. I wish preachers today, Christians today, members of the body of Christ today, I wish people who claim to be prophets and, and inspired men today would stop trying to steal the thunder of Jesus Christ and just tell the truth. I ain't nobody. I'm just trying to get on the way and tell you about somebody. But it seems that so much emphasis is put on the individual that the people don't really get a chance to see Jesus Christ for who he is. John doesn't fall into that trap. John is steadfast on his position. Well, John, what are you going to do? Verse 29 says, the next day, he sees Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm not the person that can do that. The prophets were not the people that can do that. But the one that I'm going to introduce you, the one I'm pointing to, Jesus has come in the presence and he says, Behold, look upon him, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sins of the world. And that's the thought for tonight, that the Jesus Christ that the eunuch said, I believe is the Son of God, he is the one that takes away the sins of the world. But I want to make it personal tonight. I want it personal for each and every one of us. He takes away my sin. He takes away my sin. That brings it home. Whatever anybody else does, whatever anybody else tries to say, Jesus came to take my sin.
away. He came to take your sin away. He came to take the sins of the whole world. But somebody says, nobody can do that. Nobody can take away the sins of the world. There's too much sin in the world for them to take away. But I respond to you. The problem isn't how much sin is in the world. The problem is how much sin people are not willing to let Jesus take away. And that's the real issue that we face today. If, the, if we're willing for him to take our sins, then he can cleanse the world of sin. And he would do it. And he's, that's his purpose and that's his mission. Our mission must be Christ's mission. To rid the world of sin. But somebody says that's, that, that, that's, that's vain thinking. It's only vain if we leave it where it is and make no effort to do anything else. Every person that we can get out of sin is a step toward re, uh, releasing the world from sin. But every time somebody else brings the sin they had and add more to them, uh, then the world is stuck and Christ's work is yet incomplete. What does it mean? That Christ takes away the sin of the world. John wasn't just making a famous statement. Oh, it's famous to us. Everybody likes to say, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But do you really want him to take away the sin of the world? Why are we so busy creating more sins and putting more sins and burdens of sin on people if we want him to take away the sins of the world? Why not say it's enough already and the best we can do is not add anymore? See, that's a reason to believe in Christ and obey Christ. The reason to believe in him and obey him is because he came to take away our sin. He came to get us out of our sins. See, to take away the sin of the world is a divine, global sweep of God through Jesus Christ. It is a divine, global sweep. This isn't in the corner somewhere. This isn't in a secret closet somewhere. This isn't on one person to another person and don't tell anybody else I did this for you somewhere. This is a global sweep of God through Christ to rid and cleanse the world of sin. Why? When God created the world and put man on the world, in this world, there was no sin. Christ is restoring us to the position that God created the world in. Well, why aren't we there? Because man must cooperate with what Christ has come to do. He takes away the sin, the provision for neutralizing the eternal effects of all sin is provided through Christ at a price that man cannot pay. Everything we see has a price tag on it. And the price tag keeps going up and up. And it seems the higher the price tag, the more ready we are to buy it. We can sit back and say, I paid so much for this and I paid so much for that. And if the 
Lord would have the same kind of language we use sitting beside the Father in glory. He could look at this world in the condition it is in with tears in his eyes and struggles in his heart and say, and I paid so much for this. You think he would be disappointed at where we are in spite of what he has done to bring to man the hope of eternal life and take the sin away. It was a price that man cannot pay. Only Christ could pay that price. No individual can pay it. No family can pay it. No nation can pay it. Just a few years ago, something crazy started happening. COVID comes out, and all, every state and throughout the United States, the government was pulling money out of the, the whatever they, they keep it and writing, writing checks that, that, that nobody could, to, could pay off the interest on, giving it to this person, this organization, that organization, trying to buy us out of COVID. And when they spent all the money they were going to spend, COVID comes back for a second round and now has come back for a third round. And I need you to understand there are some things man cannot buy his way out of. There are some things it takes God to heal. It takes God to transform. It takes God to turn around. And no individual can pay it. No nation can pay it. Only Christ can and only Christ has paid the price for the redemption of fallen man. The price of sin is high. You know, you ever, when you were a kid, you ever, you ever tried to do something that you knew was wrong? You know, mom and daddy didn't want you to do wrong. Or, and maybe, they, maybe you didn't think it was wrong, but they thought it was wrong. And, and you figured, you know, I can slip and do it and I won't get caught and nobody will be the wiser. And you slip and you do it. But what you forget is the evidence is going to still be there. You know, back in the day, parents didn't want their children to smoke. Now they might take a cigarette and put them in the child's mouth. But they didn't want them to smoke, and children thought smoking looked so good. The parents turned their back. The child would grab a cigarette and slip out somewhere and light it and start smoking. And later on that evening, he'd come in and looking funny. And the parents said, what's wrong with you? And they go to looking around, and there they found a burnt cigarette. <laughs> And now they know that cigarette has upset that child's stomach. You see, sin revealed itself in ways that we don't even expect it to reveal. And the world is trying to hide sin by giving it another name, by trying to clean it up, by passing a law to make it okay, trying to make the evidence speak in ways that evidence cannot speak. And at the end of the day, only Christ, can redeem us from our sins, can pay the price for it. The price was paid on Calvary, not in dollars and cents, not in property and borderlands, not in harvest products, but it was paid in the blood of the only begotten Son of God. It was paid by the Son of God himself. 
It was paid by one who did no sin, and neither was guile found in his mouth. The one that has become, is sinless and always been sinless has seen sin as something ugly and something destructive and something that keeps man from the ultimate goal to which man can reach. And he, by himself, had paid the price for it. Has your son or daughter ever violated all your business advice about what not to do, what kind of things not to get into, what kind of uh, uh, loans not to take and stuff like that, and, and they just ignored it. And when they got so deep, they didn't know what to do. They finally got around to easing up, trying to find a way to tell you what's going on and beg you to help them get out of the trouble they're in. And when they finally came around, your first thought was, I tried to tell you. But then your next thought probably was, that's my child. I'll give them the beating they need after I get them out of the trouble they're in. <laughs> See, I need us to understand, we deserve the beating, but the Lord tried to get us out of the trouble. He went to Calvary to pay the price. All we have to do is let the blood be the price and, and then accept the benefits of it. Only he can do that. On Calvary, he did it. And we have the coupon to present to cover us. The coupon, the, 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 the document. I, uh, I got, I, my wife got a coupon from the grocery store that entitled her to some free vegetables of her choice. And, of course, since she's been... Uh, having had the knee surgery and stuff, she gave the thing to me and told me to go to Kroger's and get me some vegetables. But she didn't give me any money. She gave me that coupon. <laughs> and I took that coupon to, to Kroger's. I went up and down those aisles. It tells you what kind of product you can get, what, how many ounces it has to be, and all of that stuff. But I finally found one with the right amount of ounces. I took it up to the counter. I wasn't sure. I had one hand in my, in my wallet pocket and the other hand with the coupon just in case it didn't tell the full story. Got that coupon up there. The guy looked at the coupon, took the item I bought, put it on the scanner, put the coupon on the scanner, handed me the thing in the bag and said, thank you, sir. The coupon did what it was designed to do. It got me the product that I went for. Christ's death on the cross, the blood that he shed, the benefits that he gives us is our walking papers to walk from sin, turn from sin, live for God, and not have to pay the penalty that sin is going to bring on us. But we must take it and we must use it for what it's designed to do. Unfortunately, too many people fail to accept it and use it as it was intended. Only Christ can and only Christ did pay the price. On Calvary, he paid it. We have the coupon, the message. What does it call for us to do? It calls for us to be baptized into the death, 
and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, what shall we say then? Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? For notice what he tells us now. We are dead to sin. We don't live in sin anymore. He says, we were buried with him by baptism into death. Therefore, we are risen with him through the faith and operation of God who has raised him from the dead. Now he gives us the coupon of life. He tells us that sin, therefore, now has no more dominion over you. And then he tells us that you don't even have to say yes to the devil. For you, whatever you choose, you can tell the devil no. For he tells us the devil cannot get you to do it. Or in other words, to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether sin unto death, of obedience unto righteousness. Notice what he says. To whom ye yield yourselves. You make the choice. But remember, when you use the coupon, and when it's gone, you're on your own. You can't go into sin, violate the coupon, and expect salvation all in the same time. Salvation was by design. We're buried with him in baptism into death. We're risen to walk in the newness of life. We're in the likeness of the resurrection of Christ. And then the old man is crucified with him. Watch this. That the body of sin, the, uh, the body may not, must not serve sin. What are you saying? He's saying that you're crucified with him and the body of sin is destroyed. Well, if the body of sin was destroyed in me, why am I sinning? Because I got rid of the coupon and I went back to what I was doing. It got me free, but I didn't choose to be free. I chose to be in bondage, for sin is bondage. Sin brings men into bondage, and even in that bondage, we are not capable of ourselves to be liberated from it without Christ helping us through. Now, here's the challenge. John goes on to say, let not sin reign in your mortal body. The word let is a word of individual privilege. That is, you can allow or not allow. Let not means don't allow. Let means allow. If you leave it, let sin reign in you, the Lord will be said, go on out and do more sin than you did before. But if he says, let not sin reign in you, that means I've gotten you clean, stay clean. Don't go back to where you were. Say no to Satan and mean it. There is no reason for him to rule over us. Let not sin reign in our body. To obey the sin in the lust thereof. For we were not given salvation alone. But we were given the power to limit sin in us. Christ takes away our sin. But it doesn't take away our freedom. To choose right or wrong. That choice is still ours. If he took that away. We could not sin. 
But because we could not sin doesn't mean that we would not sin. God wants people who will not sin because they appreciate the work of Christ in their lives. And it is in that moment that we are ready to walk with the Lord. We were not just given salvation, but we were given the power not to sin, to say no. We are born again. That is, we have become a new creature. When Christ took away our sin, what did he also take away? He took away that old person of sin in us. Well, if he took it away, what happens? It depends on us. If we go back, <laughs> my wife is very ticky about stuff, and especially about what I wear. Sometimes I have to not go by the testing room and get checked out. <laughs> you know, she's very, you know, and sometimes if she happens to see me, she'll say, is that what you're planning to wear? You don't need to wear that. And, you know, out of respect, I'll turn around and I'll go back and I'll change into something that she thinks is more appropriate. But why do I do that? Because it is she that I'm dressing to please. It is she that has an interest in how I look. It is she that cares about me and who I am. So even if my own self did not concern itself for its own self, she is concerned enough to at least give me a moment of rethinking and that may be long enough to change. But the Lord has given us day after day after day. And the message still is that he has taken away the sin of the world. But it's up to us to stay free of the sin. By not saying yes to Satan. Born again is the process. What does it mean to be born again? You see, the scripture is telling us that there's no reason for us to su surrender ourselves to sin because we're not the person we used to be. When you obey the gospel, I was preaching a meeting somewhere in Tennessee some many years ago. And I had uh, preached for about half of the meeting. A gentleman attended the meeting and after the service, he indicated an interest and so uh, later uh, that night, we uh, uh, visited he and his family, and uh, they wanted to, uh, they would talk with me for a long time. And finally, after talking for a while, he came to the conclusion that what I was teaching is what he ought to obey. But then he says to me, "If I get baptized, the devil would have me back." tomorrow what he just told me is that he was already marked for the devil that mark was put on him by him because the Lord was trying to take it off of him and he was struggling 
with that decision to do right, but believed so strongly that his experience and the way he had been gone for so long, he would not have the strength and power to continue it, and the devil would have him back. But I gave him some scriptures of being faithful to the Lord. I prayed with him. I encouraged him. I reestablished the scriptures that I had taught. But I finally had to leave. The next uh, day, I got a call. And the call was, I've chosen to be baptized. The joy in my heart that a person listened to Christ, even though he was thinking at first that he couldn't break free of Satan, he made his mind up that if Christ died for me, I will leave the devil. And that's exactly what he intended for us to do. Leave the devil and come to him. The devil is designed to destroy us. His goal is to destroy us. To defeat our right, the decision to do right, and to encourage our choices of wrong. Because that's how he gets power over us. Even in any society, power comes by taking away choices of people. Mothers and fathers get power over their children when they limit the choices of independent decisions. That those decisions are laid out with a right and a wrong. And they are, they are established with the right and wrong and they are supported by the strength and the authority of mother and daddy and then they are reinforced by God's word saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And when mother and father have gone through those three processes, they have then put the child in a position of having to choose between obedience and disobedience. And what God has done is put us in the position of making the choice between obedience and disobedience. But he has given us more reasons to obey than the devil has given us not to obey. The devil can never say, I'll save you. The devil can never say, I love you. The devil can never say, I'll die for you. The devil can never say, I gave up everything for you. The only one that can say that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's that reason that I choose to follow him. That sin would not reign. In my mortal body. We were not just given salvation. We were given the power to limit the sin. Born by obedience to the gospel and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember when Nicodemus comes to Jesus? And he said, I know that you teach from God for no man do the miracles that I do except God be with him. How much discussion does Jesus give Nicodemus before he tells him what he needs to do? He goes straight to the kill. You must be born again. If you know that who I am, if you know what I'm about, you know enough for me to tell you the next thing you need to hear. You must be born again. 
Do you know we can spend forever giving people good information that won't lead anywhere? Instead of getting them to understand the crucial truth that Jesus Christ takes away the sins of the world, but here is how you get rid of them. And now all you have is a choice between keeping them and getting rid of them. You don't have to choose anything else. Peter describes the birth of men coming to Christ. We know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. What did you just tell us, Peter? That most of the things that we do wrong come to us not because we discovered it all on our own, but because it's been passed down through various sources and means, and traditions have been established, and now they're there. Which we're seeing new traditions being forcibly created in our society today that are absolutely sinful in themselves, but just mark the truth. Once they are forced into place and time has finished distance, people will think that it is right because it is there. And because so many people are doing it, a young man lived next door to me when I was a child. His family lived right, right next door to where I lived. And there was drinking going on all day, all through the day and night. And I would see the, the, the daddy uh, pass on the, 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 the glass or something to one of the kids. And they, that's how they grew up. Then sometime later, the kid grew up and graduated from high school and went on. But I went back home to visit quite a few years later. And that young man looked like an old man. His life had been spent in things that had been just play stuff when he was growing up that had become a pattern of life when he became his own man. Christ wants salvation to be ours. He wants the transition he offers us to become our pattern of life. And then one day people can look at us and see the new us. Not because we got a new hairdo. Not because our wives force us to, I mean, women, I mean, you just change clothes. but because the change has taken place in me, because he now lives in me. I am his and he is mine, and we share a relationship together. Can you think of the worst possible sin a man can commit? It doesn't have to be the sin you committed or considered committing. But in your mind, what is the worst sin possible? No matter what it is, Christ has atoned for it. And when we apply the blood of Christ, his sacrifice, and his death to our sins, even that sin will be forgiven by God. There are simple but essential steps in gaining this forgiveness. 
Remember, forgiveness is available, but it is not automatic. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is available, but it is not automatic. Sometimes people seem to think that forgiveness is automatic. Oh, I'll go ahead and do this. God will forgive me. It's not automatic. You know how to tell forgiveness is not automatic? Because people put all this on God. Let's take it personal. Say, I'll go ahead and do this dirt. My wife will forgive me. See, it brings a different picture home, doesn't it? My father will forgive me. See, when we're looking at God, we think he got to forgive us, even though no change is made. But God wants to forgive us, but a change is required. Remember, forgiveness is available, but we need to take advantage of it. That's a requirement that we must accept and embrace in order to receive it. What does he want? He wants our faith. He wants us to be totally committed in faith to him. That we are convicted and converted. That our hearts are steadfast in believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And that what he has done for us is real and true and will make the difference in our lives and give us hope for the future. And when we come to that faith, it brings about a change in us, a desire to be a different person, a change of heart concerning sin and the direction that we are going. Not just believing, but acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord, my Lord. See, it's one thing to say he's your Lord. But it gets more real when we finally reach the point when we say, he is my Lord. And then when we make that kind of confession, we are ready now to do what the people were told to do on the day of Pentecost. When Peter is preaching along with the others, and finally the people began to question what was going on. And Peter reminds them of the prophecy of David that his flesh will not see corruption, but God has shed forth this which you now see and hear. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God have made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. When they heard it, they were pricked in the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now the difference can be made. Peter's answer, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, when they came to faith, and that faith led them to that conviction to acknowledge that this was indeed the Christ that they had crucified, now they, they desire to bring about a change. They now want to know what God wants of them next. The answer is not held back. This isn't the time that say we'll talk about that in our next Bible study. This isn't the time that say next week's Bible class, we're going to discuss that. This is the moment to answer that critical question. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children. All that's afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And many of the words that he testified and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this honorable generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day that were added unto them.
about 3,000 soldiers. They continue steadfast in the apostle doctrine fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. Still kept with every soul. All that believed were together. Had all things coming. Did he got people gladness and singing to God? From day to day, they went from house to house, praising God and having faith with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. From the preaching of Jesus to the fellowship of the church, the salvation that Christ brings is drawing more and more people into the kingdom of God. Because when one gets saved, he has a message that somebody else needs to hear. He has a message that others can benefit from. You ever had a good dinner? And people been looking for a place to eat, and everybody going to get disappointed. Aren't you going to tell them you ought to try this place? Or try that place. I tried it, and I've never been disappointed. You know what they like you're going to do? If they haven't gotten satisfied yet, they're going to look for another place to get satisfied. And if that works, they'll be telling somebody. Try this. a friend or brother, tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that to man's eyes are hidden? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious? What will be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. 
He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Brother Harris, thank you for an outstanding message this evening. The best thing I know to say that kind of sums up a little bit of what he said at the end is we have a job. We are to recruit for Jesus, and we're to recruit for our church. Northside, we're recruiting for Jesus, and we're recruiting for this church. McAlmond, y'all are recruiting for Jesus, and you're recruiting for that church. If you would, take a songbook. We're going to sing one verse of number 514. 514. You may not even need a book for it. The Glory Land Way. We all know it. We'll sing the third verse of this song, and then our very own Josh Clearman is going to lead us in the closing prayer. Christ died for us, but guess what? Because we're his people, we're going home. So let's sing it like we mean it. Sing the last verse of this song. Onward I go rejoicing in his love. I'm in the glory land way. Soon I shall see him in that home above. Oh, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. seated. Really appreciate everybody that was here tonight and Brother Harris really appreciate the message. You know each time this will be the fourth time then in two days that you've spoken and I keep thinking it's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. So I can't wait for tomorrow now and the next day. So I hope you guys come back if you're able to. I hope you're able to bring some friends as well. Um, you know I wrote down couple things that you said that I thought would be good to bring up, and I wrote a star next to the ones I thought would be good to bring up, but I starred just about every one of them, but, you know, saying that the gospel frees me for life, so I must continue to choose life and not death, say no to Satan, and mean it. I love that. And you've been preaching for many, many years, huh? You know, I, I, I'm making the decision I will be preaching when I'm that age. God will, and I, I make it to that age, and you know, the gospel is just as powerful as it was many years ago as it is today, as it will be 40, 60, 100 years in the future. The gospel's power, it doesn't change, and we just got to sound it out, so really appreciate everybody that's here. Hope you all come back, and I'm looking forward to the next few nights, and I hope that you are also encouraged to take the message and to give it to those that really need it. And to hold on to it for yourself as well. Let's go to God in prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everybody that's here. Thank you for Brother Harris. And thank you so much for your word. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for your son that you've given us to free us from sin. And thank you for your spirit that you've given us to seal us as yours. Thank you so much for all the blessings you've given us that we see and that we don't see. Thank you for all that you do for us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.